You are listening to How Does She Do It, a podcast dedicated to sharing practical insight and honest perspective on being grown. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for joining me for episode 26 of How Does She Do It? My name is Tiffany and I am your host. And before I get into this week's show, I just want to start with a few announcements. The show notes for this week's episode will be available at howdoesshedoitpodcast.com slash 26. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at howdoes underscore she do it. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at T-I-F-F South. So that's Tiff South. Make sure you put two F's. I don't understand people who spell Tiff with one F. I don't, I don't get it, but that's not why we're here today. Uh, you can also like the show's Facebook page. If you go to facebook.com and type in how does she do a podcast, or you can go to facebook.com slash how does she do a podcast, you can find the show page there. And on the Facebook page, I share articles that I come across so many articles and so many videos. I just shared one last night that was... Um, put up by Cornell University, my alma mater. And um, it was about a professor who wrote a book about the economics of slavery and how we still see those effects today. And I was like, first of all, shout out to Cornell because it's fly. But second, it's like one of those things that it's not necessarily something I want to spend a lot of time talking about on the show, but it's things that are good that I come across and that you can, that I think you will be find um, interest in as well. I'm glad that you're listening here today, but if you want to recommend the show to other people, if you want to tell other people how they can find it, or if you want to switch up the way that you listen to the show, you can download it on Acast. You can listen on Stitcher. You can also download the show on Google Play Music and in the iTunes store. I don't put new episodes up on SoundCloud anymore. I got tired of them sticking me from my paper. So we are just uh, on Acast, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play Music. And so you can find it there. You can share it with your friends there. You can leave ratings and reviews there. Especially, I especially appreciate when you leave ratings and reviews in the iTunes store, because that is the place that I have collected the most ratings and reviews so far. So if you have not done so already, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review, and I will read your review on the show, as I have done um, for every episode. And I'm grateful to have been able to do that for every episode so far because I get ratings and reviews from from each of you. So continue to do so, and as always, I really appreciate it. And if you want to have a question answered on the show or suggest a topic, you can send an email to Tiffany at HowDoesSheDoItPodcast.com and I will answer your question on the show and via email. But I would really appreciate if you have topic suggestions. I'm also open to those as well. And I look forward to hearing from you. So please, you know, send an email and um, let me know what you want to talk about. Just My Thoughts is the segment of the show where I share just my thoughts about current events, several things that are happening in the media, things that are happening in the news, uh, television series that I've come across, uh, things that I've participated in. And I just want to start with shout out again to my classmates, the class of 2006 at Cornell. I had my went to my 10-year reunion last weekend, and it was just the best. It was the best time ever. I finally have my voice back. If you would have tried to talk to me on Monday of this past week, 
I would have sounded like a prepubescent boy circa around the age of, you know, 12 to 14 because it was just all raspy. I was squeaky. It was terrible. But I'm really, I'm happy that I went. It was a really great time. And I just, I just loved my classmates and I was able to, you kind of just pick up where you left off with people in a way that I didn't really expect or anticipate. Um, and I guess it was similar at reunion, but it was just a different feel with people you went to college with because these were people who we like stayed in dorm rooms together. And actually we had the opportunity to do so during that weekend because we were staying in a dorm, like we were running in the hall, we were not running around in the hallway, but we were walking in the halls with our pajamas on. We would see each other in the bathroom and it was just, it just felt like, it felt like being in college again, uh, minus the carrying the books up and down the slopes of Ithaca because those, those days were not the best parts of college, but we got to experience a small part of what made college so special and what made going to Cornell so special. So shout out to the class of 2006 and to everyone else who's celebrating reunions this year. I'm recording this episode on a day that means uh, several different things and a few different things. So today is Juneteenth, which marks the Juneteenth is the day it was June 19th, 1865, and it was the day that commemorates the ending of slavery. This was June 19th, 1865, was two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. Um, but this day, there were places and states in the Union that hadn't yet received news that they were free, namely Texas. And so this day became a day of celebration. And uh, today also, and actually it was, it was on June 18th, one year ago, the shooting in Charleston happened at the Emmanuel Church, AME Church, where nine people were killed during a prayer service. And the white American terrorist, his, he's currently still awaiting trial. I won't, um, I won't say his name because he doesn't deserve to have his name recognized. Um, but we also are a, a, a little bit over a week out from the massacre and the uh, another American terrorist act um, of a mass shooting that happened in Orlando, Florida at a nightclub where 49 people were lost, 50 including the murderer himself, and 53 people were injured. And it makes you, <laughs> thinking about all those things together, it's like, and today is also Father's Day, right? So it's just, Father's Day has its own, its own separate, um, you know, it's not associated with any of these things, but thinking about those those events together, it just America is just, it, it's there are a lot of things to celebrate, but there are a lot of things to really that really make you scratch your head when you think about America and American history. And the shooting in Orlando was one of the most that one of the deadliest mass was actually the deadliest mass shooting in U.S in modern U.S history. And I was careful with that. I'll say that again. It was the deadliest mass shooting in modern U.S. history. And NPR did a story, which I will link to in the show notes, that made the delineation between mass shooting and, and modern history as opposed to mass shootings that have happened in the entire history of the documented history of the United States. Because right, rightfully so, when that first, when the phrase was first put out as in relation to the Orlando shooting, people were saying that this was not the deadliest shooting that had happened. And they were citing things that happened, um, 
in the 1920s and beyond and earlier, but what we were able to, or what I guess historians and other people who are smarter than I were able to differentiate was between modern U.S. history and, um, and the entire kind of picture of American history. And I think what makes these, what the mass shootings that we think about today particularly unique are when there is, it are, is the fact that there's only one shooter, maybe two in some instances. But that list, unfortunately, is so long, and I have been alive and can remember very vividly the news coverage and the feelings around things like Columbine, things like Virginia Tech, the shootings at San Bernardino, which happened just uh, earlier this year, or was it late last year? Um, now, the, the, the shooting in Charleston, the shooting in... Um, there was a shooting in in North Carolina. There are just shootings everywhere. Like, and it just it is a unique thing to. It's actually it's not unique to American society in many in some respects, but it is it is Im, is symptomatic of so many other issues that we have wrong that are wrong in our society. And I just want to make a point to note that this the shooter in Orlando. And and I also need to make note that this was a gay nightclub, and the the victims targeted were overwhelmingly people of color and members of the LGBT community. And um, this the man who is who was the shooter was a an American born person of. He was a Muslim in religion. He was I think his parents. He's from his parents are from Afghanistan, and so quickly the media is was ready to label him a, tar, a, a, a terrorist. So quickly they were ready to, which I think he is, and um, and we're trying to draw connections to ISIS and all these other things. But when Dylan Roof killed people in killed nine people in South Carolina, a white American man who was a Christian, he couldn't be called a terrorist. They would, that was, that was a phrase that they, they were hesitant. And I actually don't even know if officially they, they called the, his shooting, that shooting an act of terrorism. Either way, people are being killed on American soil and people are being hurt because partly due to gun laws, partly due to just people being crazy, and crazy is not the, the best word to use, but people being influenced by radical beliefs that are not, that do not, you know, are not connected to just one faith or just one religion. And so I encourage you all to challenge rhetoric that you hear when people are, are willing to, to denigrate and to talk negatively about one specific religion and one group of people when in America, many of the worst kinds of acts of, of terrorism on American soil have been put, have been, um, waged at the hands of white Americans. So you can challenge me on that if you want to. And I'm sure that there are some facts that people would be able to use to, to challenge that. But Let's be fair in the in the negative labeling of people and how they hurt Americans and how they hurt people in general. And let's just pray for everyone. Let's pray for all people because this country is hurting regardless of your age, your gender, your your sexual sexual orientation, your religion. We are all hurting and we all deserve and need each other's support and prayer. I went on about that a little bit longer than I expected, but I want to talk briefly about the OJ um, documentary that appeared, that uh, premiered on ESPN over the last week. And it's titled OJ Made in America. And this series was 
was really, really good. I had just finished watching not too long ago the um, FX miniseries on the O.J. Simpson trial. And number one, it was very good to see factually the things that were parallel and that were similar in the documentary itself because the documentary used actual court footage and actual news clippings and interviews with people who were, Marsha Clark was interviewed, um, Mark Furman, who, my goodness, what a character and arrogant man he is. Uh, the, the, the district attorney, um, Chris Darden, was not interviewed, and I imagine why he didn't want to be interviewed for this. Um, but it was it was just a really, really good dissection of the context in which O.J. Simpson became who he was and how he crashed and burned, crashed and burned as though, you know, he got shot out of the sky. And I think what was most interesting to me was how well was number one how well the documentary highlighted race and made race such a clear issue but what i what i think was was interesting was that i remember I've only known O.J. Simpson to be the guy who was accused of murdering these two people and then his descent from there. I never, I didn't grow up remembering the O.J. Simpson that everybody did when he played at USC and he played for the Bills and he played for the 49ers. I don't remember that guy. And so you were able to see why he, he was so... He was so praised at this time and why people were, were so willing to support him. But... And especially black people, especially the black community, because OJ was a was a, like what what white Americans like to call he transcended race. Like that's something that they use to describe Muhammad Ali and a lot of other great black people that um, they want to kind of claim. Not I don't want to say claim for their own, but that's a again another topic for another day. But what um what was interesting is that when OJ before OJ got in trouble, he didn't associate with black people. He didn't at least at least the way that the documentary presented it, and from what I understand, that was that was pretty accurate. And then once he was acquitted, white folks kind of put him off to the side, and then he sort of came into the fold for black people. And black people loved him no matter what. And he was. He, you know, he has his interviews. They did. They had a lot of footage of him um, during different interviews. He didn't wasn't actually interviewed specifically for this uh, series. They tracked it all the way through his most recent arrest and what he is currently serving jail time for the armed robbery and kidnapping in uh, Nevada. And um, it's just such a sad, such a sad story, such a sad story. There are images of him in do rags wearing like, you know, gold chains and these sweatsuits and dressed up like Elvis it just it's just ridiculous like he had an amazing amazing descent and it's really really sad but you see the complexity of his story you see the complexity of race you see the complexity of even media coverage at the time and really what i what was what was pretty striking was that i think the american appetite for reality tv grew out of the oj coverage of the oj simpson trial and that was a connection i had never made before but in seeing this documentary they were covering it like there were, I think that the NBA finals were happening. I think it might've been the Houston Rockets playing somebody else. 
And like they were cutting away from the basketball game in order to report on the the immediate murder of uh, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. Like it was it was insane. So if you can, I think it's it's available on um, on demand. It was an ESPN documentary, but it will it might also be available on ABC because now ABC owns ESPN or ESPN owns ABC. Who again I think is they're all owned by Walt Disney. All it's, it's seven companies own all of the media that we watch on television anyway. But um. Check it out if you can. I think I thought it was really powerful. I can't get enough of legal dramas and things that have to deal with cops and crime. So if you're like me, you will enjoy the uh, dissection of this this story and the telling of the rise and fall of Mr. Orenthal James Simpson. And last but not least, on last episode, I mentioned that I would start to highlight some podcasts that I listen to and I didn't want to take, I have like, I, when I tell you the number of podcasts that I'm subscribed to is almost kind of crazy. So what I will do is on each episode going forward for as long as I keep adding new podcasts, I'll mention two podcasts that I listen to. So this week I want to mention one called This American Life and it's hosted by Ira Glass. And this show, when you you want really, really good storytelling that is done by like research general uh, journalists and people who are very, very good at their craft. What they do with this American life is they take a theme for for every episode and they have different acts, usually four to five acts per episode. And what they do is sometimes it's a interview that they do with someone or someone is telling their own story that's connected to this theme. And they're really done. You learn a lot of random things. And then you also just hear, just hear really good stories. I think it's called This American Life. And I think it's aptly titled because it really is just the, just stories about different aspects of American life that you might not ever think about or otherwise hear about or learn about on your own. So check that one out. And the next one I will highlight is called Paychecks and Balances by my good friend Rich and his friend Wim. Um, and this show is, the way that they they describe it is, basically they talk about issues related to work and money for the rising professional. Very well done show. They have several episodes. They Anything from interview tips to how to get your credit right to tips about not buying, um, not taking out ridiculous loans to increasing your credit score, all those kinds of things. And they're very very they're funny they're relatable uh really good good friend of mine and so i encourage you to check that one out too it's called paychecks and balances and now i think that concludes this week's just my thoughts so let's get on with the show this week i want to talk about life principles and here's how i came up with that so Several months ago, I picked up Gretchen Rubin's Happiness Project, and in this book, she talks about some things that our happiness depends on and that are connected to. And so some of those things include social bonds, that means bonds with friends, family, booze, you know, work relationships, our work generally and the jobs that we have or our careers, our finances, our perspective, and a number of things. So she incorporates research from different disciplines to kind of inform her understanding of happiness. And she does, she talks about science, psychology, philosophy, different religious religions and faith. And her, what I liked about the book was that it's a good example of someone reflecting on their experiences and reflecting on their reflections about those experiences. 
And that's something that I talk about often, that idea I've mentioned maybe several episodes ago called metacognition, when you're thinking about your thinking. And here it's thinking about your experiences and then thinking about your reflections and your feelings related to those experiences themselves. And she writes it in a way that it makes you feel like you're on this journey with her. So her happiness project is she spends, she takes, you know, the calendar year, 12 months, and for each month has like a theme. And related to that theme, she has several resolutions that are associated with that theme. And she kind of grades herself to check to see, you know, has she done, has she fulfilled this resolution related to this larger theme? So for example, her January theme was to clear her closets. And this, generally speaking, was related to boosting her energy and learning to clear her space and be more organized. So my favorite resolution from this particular section of the book was um, following the one minute rule. And the one minute rule, which is something that I told myself I was actually going to implement, but have not started to do so in a way that is as, you know, productive and true as I thought I would. It basically means don't delay or postpone any task that can be done in a minute or less. So for example, if you are like me, you think about any number of things that you have lying around the house or little things that you need to do, like opening this piece of mail or moving this piece of mail from the, this place to the place that where it actually should be. And her rule is that if it can take a minute or less to do it, she just does it in that moment and doesn't think about it, doesn't try to say, oh, I'll get to it later, I'll get to it later. If you're anything like me, there are a lot of little things that could be done probably in a minute, maybe a minute and 30 seconds or less that you overlook or you just, you ignore and you put off, you put off, you put off, and then eventually it becomes this huge pile, you know, pile of mail on the table that now has to be read and will take you 20 minutes to do instead of the one to just kind of toss the junk mail when you knew it was junk mail. So Ruben, she goes, she goes through the course of the book, encouraging readers to develop their own happiness projects to use hers as an example. And she, you know, made sure to emphasize that it doesn't have to look like anything in particular, but she highlights some questions that we should ask. For example, what makes you feel good? What activities do you find satisfying or energizing? What makes you feel bad? What are some sources of anger, irritation, boredom, frustration, or anxiety in your life? She asks another question, uh, is there any way in which you don't feel right about your life right now? Do you wish that you could change your job, your city, your family situation, or some other circumstance? Does your life reflect your values? And I think the last set, last set of questions she asked that I think is really important, do you have a source of an atmosphere of growth? What are elements of your life where you find progress, learning, challenge, improvement, and increased mastery. So thinking about those things generally, it's just, you know, what makes you feel good? What makes you feel bad? What do you feel right about right now? And what doesn't feel right? And where do you have the opportunity for growth? And so she, she uses, she poses those questions as kind of the base to begin whatever happiness project and take whatever form that it's going to take for you and develop these resolutions. Well, one of the things that I found, I think most, that impacted me the most as I was reading her book was this list of 12 commandments that she came up with. Besides the name commandment, which I think has a specific biblical connotation, but it's Gretchen's book, so she can do whatever she want to do. What I liked about this specific idea is that she was able to kind of distill and break down principles that kind that ran through 
the resolutions that she established for herself in her 12-month happiness project. And I decided that I wanted to come up with a list of principles for myself. And I chose the word principle. I went through rules. I thought about reminders. But I like the word principle because principle means, according to Apple's dictionary and Merriam-Webster's definition relates similarly, is a principle is basically a rule or belief that governs one's personal behavior. It's the source foundation or basis of something that someone believes in. And for me, I think that that's a great word. And um, now in thinking about these principles, I'm going to share 10 that I came up with for myself, but I think it's important. It would be, I encourage you all to come up with a list of your own. And in thinking about these, what I'm calling life principles, they are going to vary for each of us individually. They may overlap because I think generally speaking, when you're at a certain stage in your life, there are certain things that everyone kind of wants, everyone wants, but there are also things that are going to be different for based on our own situations. But the principles will vary and they should change as you as we go through different stages of our life. So what I'd like to do with starting with these principles today is to revisit these things on a maybe six months or yearly basis to kind of see if there's something that I could take off and add something new. So remember, the definition that I'm operating from, these life principles are coming from a, a rule or belief that governs my personal behavior. So this, these are aside from kind of some of the the scriptures that we talked about last week and does not supersede obviously things that come from um you know your faith or from religion but that are these things are informed by our everyday experiences and things that we know that we need to work on personally or grow from so i you know in thinking about these i thought about where i am right now a pretty young thing at the age of 31 and i thought about the things that i wanted to remind myself to do or keep doing as I go forward. And, you know, hopefully these things are going to continue to be the foundation of continued growth and progress in my personal life. And so I encourage you to begin to think about, to listen to my list and to think about a list that you might be able to develop on your own. So here are TIFF's 10 life principles, if you will, and I'm going to go go through them by number and then at the end we'll recap all of them. But as I go through each one, I might have a, a thing or a thing to say about each one. So the first life principle is to pray often. And for me, I know that this is something that I still have a lot of work to do. Prayer is a very important way to further and increase your my relationship with God. And it is something that I don't do with enough regularity. Uh, and I think one thing that might help me is to kind of, is to create regular intervals of prayer. It should be something that I do, you know, when I wake up in the morning, when I go to sleep at night, every, you know, kind of with, with consistency, but it's something that I'm working on to increase the consistency. The second principle is to read the word. And that is, you know, I have a routine already. I start with devotion, but it's something that I want to make sure that I continue to incorporate into my daily life. Number three is to love myself or yourself first. And this principle is a work in progress, but I can say with confidence that I have done, I have increased the amount of love that I express to myself very, very much in the last several months to a year of my life. And I'm, it's really strange, but it's really exciting at the same time. It's very new feeling. And sometimes it's uncomfortable because it is, is a state of existence that I'm not, I'm not used to. But what I think about when I think about loving myself 
And when I think about the idea of, of self-love and, and each of us loving ourselves individually, it's important that we are mindful of the value that we have and for ourselves, not necessarily for other people, the value that we add to other people's lives, but who we are and why those why we are valuable. And when you think about the love that you have for other people and the way that you are kind to them, the way that you extend yourself for them, the way that you're forgive that you forgive them, that you are you sacrifice for them, your willingness to look beyond their flaws. Many of us don't show that same kind of love and kindness for ourselves. And so the principle to love your Yourself kind of is a reminder to, to treat yourself the way you treat the most precious people in your life. And even some, and I don't want to say treat them better or treat yourself better than you treat them, but it has to start with you. You have to care about yourself and treat yourself well before you can actually be giving of yourself to other people in a way that's pure and in a way that's, that's uninhibited in the way that we all hope to. Fourth life principle is to express gratitude daily. And when we are grateful for things and when you're generally grateful period but when you express gratitude several times a day for very specific things you we spend less energy thinking about what we don't have and can actively appreciate what we do have and i know that for example I don't have a car right now. And it's sometimes it's very, very frustrating and sometimes makes me feel really, really annoyed and really, really aggravated. But I can afford to to get myself to and from work every day. I can afford to hop in a Lyft or an Uber to take myself, you know, from you know where I work to home if I need to a few times a week. And that's gratitude. So I could be annoyed that I don't have a car, but I'm also grateful for the fact that I have the means to still get myself to where I need to be. And so just to be grateful for things like having the breath in your body every day, because everybody doesn't wake up. So many people go to sleep at night and they do not wake up in the morning. So just starting your day with a gra- as opposed to groaning that you have to go to work, be grateful that you have a job to go to. Be grateful that you could wake up and actually step your two feet out of bed to walk yourself to the bathroom to go brush your stank breath and get yourself ready for work in the morning. Those are things that, worth, that, that are worth being grateful for and we take them for granted. But when you approach your day and your, and your life thinking about gratitude on a kind of granular level as well as a big picture level, then that changes the the way that you appreciate and interact with the things that you do have so you spend less time focusing on what you don't. The fifth life principle that I've established for myself is to be deliberate. And when I think about the the time that I spend, the people that I spend my time with, the activities that I participate in, I of course, I still waste time. I eat things that I shouldn't eat. I but I don't. I definitely don't spend time around people who I don't want to spend time around. I don't, you know, put myself in situations that I don't want to be in because I am thinking about the the way what I want to gain from something, what I want to participate in. If I am going to, you know, although I want to be deliberate about eating healthy, if I'm going to eat this ice cream, it's because I deliberately want to enjoy this ice cream at this moment and deal with the consequences later. But I say be deliberate because for me. It's important to remember to that I don't have to put myself in situations that I don't want to be in. I don't have to go on trips with people I don't like. I don't have to. I might have to work with some people I don't necessarily want to work with, but that tends to not be the case because I work with a lot of great people. 
Um, I don't have to spend money that I don't want to spend. I don't, no one's forcing me to do these things. But if I'm deliberate, if I take time to say, this is the kind of, these are the people that I want to spend my time with. These are the kinds of activities that I want to volunteer for. These are the kinds of projects that I want to work on. Then take deliberate actions to get myself into those situations or avoid and curve those kinds of situations that I don't need to be a part of. Then I am taking control of my life in a way that I'm not allowing situations or circumstances to move me and around move me around but I'm doing the the deliberate action and and things for myself the sixth life principle that I have for myself is to not deflect compliments and just to accept them graciously I am this is something that I, I have always had an issue with. It's becoming less of an issue because I catch myself in a moment where it's it's about self-deprecation. Oh, someone gives me a compliment on my dress. Oh, yeah, just just this. Oh, no, just that. And instead of just saying thank you and moving on, instead of having to qualify it in some way, instead of having to explain how or why you got it, just say thank you and keep it moving because it feels as though we're being humble. It feels as though we are somehow, um, you know, I don't want to say getting credit for by, by, by adding a little extra to the compliment or to the positive thing that someone said to us, but you can just leave it there. You don't have to be like, yeah, I know it's fly, but you could also just say, just say thank you instead of having to think about and never, instead of trying to insert yourself into the, the good thing that someone is saying about you. I know for me that comes this kind of um, not being able to just accept the compliment and not deflecting them. That comes from a place of insecurity. That comes from a place where uh, I didn't always have the greatest view of myself and I always and I felt like this comment this compliment can't just be coming from, you know, because it's actually true, I need to justify it somehow. I need to add something else to it. And that's not the case. So I'm just I'm learning to just hear the compliments, don't deflect them, don't turn it back on the other person, just say thank you, accept it, and keep it moving. The seventh life principle that I have, and this is something that I um, learned when I was in grad school, and I may have said it more than once on the podcast thus far, but to not miss the forest for the trees, and just to don't lose sight of the big picture because I'm so caught up in the details of the moment. And on this journey to putting together this podcast, to trying to grow this podcast, to trying to figure out what I want to do with my career, it is so easy to get stuck in today, get stuck in this week, get stuck in this project, get stuck in this challenge, and to you lose sight of the fact that this challenge, this episode, this tweet, this project, this this review, these things relate to a bigger picture. And... Um, yeah, just don't just don't miss that forest for the trees. Just don't lose sight of the bigger picture for the sake of paying attention to the granular detail or challenge or struggle or even victory of the moment because victories are often followed by some loss, some struggle, and it's important to remember that this is just one piece. Whatever you're doing right now is a, is a piece of a bigger picture and keep your eye on the, on the immediate moment as well as the bigger picture. The eighth life principle that I came up with was to put time and space between my emotions and my reactions. I have gotten, I must say, I have gotten pretty good at this. 
because I spend a lot of time in my own head. Because one of the things that I work to make sure that I avoid is overreacting to a situation and allowing a situation and my emotions to carry me and thus leave that impression on someone else. And sometimes this has gotten me into trouble because I will step so far away from the emotions, I will let so much time pass that I will downplay the significance of whatever it is that I wanted to bring up or to minimize the challenge that I was having in that particular situation with that particular person. But what it does, what it has done is allowed me to maintain control. When you let your first emotion dictate the way you respond to a situation, you can you will say things that you wish you didn't say. You will lose control and you will give control to that other person because now this other person may be able to say, well, look at how look at how crazy Tiffany was in this situation. And they'll be able to 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 find all of these different things to define you or or color your reaction and color you, period, and your personality and their perception of you because you chose to respond immediately. But my the the reminder for myself, the principle for myself is to always is to take a step back and ask, is this reaction warranted? Why am I reacting this way? Is my reaction actually about this particular situation or is it connected to something else? And so many of us don't take time to actually do that. Either we don't ask the questions at all and we react or we ignore it and and downplay the significance of what it is that we're actually dealing with. So for me, it just means someone pisses me off in a moment. I'm saying, you know what? Let me pray about this. Let me go close my office door. Let me sit down quietly and let me think about how I can appropriately respond to this because the first reaction probably could maybe get me fired, could cause me to have some issues, could cause me to lose a friendship, could cause me to um, you know, say things that I don't necessarily mean long term that I might feel in the moment but might not actually be true. So just put some space between your the situation and um, your emotions and your reaction. The ninth life principle that I have come up with for myself is to slow down when I speak. And I hope that when you listen to this podcast, you don't think that I talk too fast, but there are times where I can hear myself even in a, in a live conversation where I'm just talking so fast that I have to, that my, I'm tripping over my own words. And so I just, and I literally in the moment, just close my eyes, put my fist in the air. I wish you guys could see me doing it right now. Just kind of grab it, grab that moment and say, you know what? <sighs> Let me start over again. And then I compose myself in a different way. And I have been criticized. My grandmother, my entire childhood told me I talk too fast. And people have commented that I talk too fast many times. And so that is when you slow down, just take a deep breath, you give yourself time to actually process and to clearly communicate whatever great idea that you might have. So you that might not be your problem. That's something that I know I need to, is something that I need to like, you know, think through and kind of always remember and and allow to serve as a foundation for the way that I carry myself in um, other in all areas of my life, really. And last but lot not least, the tenth principle that I've come up with for myself is that my steps are ordered for my own path. In this day of everybody is on the social medias and the Twitters and the interwebs and the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the Snapchats and all those kinds of things, 
it is so easy for me to get caught up in what everybody else has, in the number of followers, in the growth of their, you know, brand, in the presence and in their, you know, in their, the you know, number of comments that they get under their pictures and all those kinds of things. It's easy to get swept up in that. And when I come back to remembering that my steps are ordered from my own journey, because I've, I already know that to be true because my story is different than your story. It's different than, you know, my best friend's story. It's different than my mom's story. It's different than my brother's story. Every story is different. Every path is different. Every destination, every journey, you take different paths to get to sometimes the same place or sometimes a different place. And so I have to remember that my steps are ordered for my own journey. Your steps are ordered for your own journey. And that's it. It stops there. There's no, well, but, you know, no, mm -mm. it's just, it stops there. Your steps are ordered for your own journey. And I know I went in and out of first person in sharing these principles, but my hope is that I shared these things and to maybe, you can, of course, choose to borrow all 10 of them for yourself, but I want you to think about, and I encourage you, and I'd actually love to hear from you. Send me an email, tiffany at howdoesshedoitpodcast.com. Come up with five to 10 principles for your own life. Think about where you are. Just spend 15 minutes. This actually, this activity, coming up with this list took me so much less time than I thought because I just kind of came off the top of my head. I wasn't trying to put too much deep thought into it. Well, you know, back in the day when, no, I wasn't doing all of that thinking and hypothesizing and trying to weigh different things and even putting them in different numbers. I've only ordered this list in and put numbers to it because of... It was easier, it'd be easier for me to present to you all as a list, but I didn't even number them when I initially came up with them. So my hope is that you will send me an email, tiffany at com, and share with me five to 10 life principles that you have come up with for yourself based on where you are right now. I would love to hear what you have to say and see which one of mine's, mine's, my goodness, which one of mine resonated with you and which ones you came up with for yourself. I think it would be really cool to be able to, to hear some of those things and I can go back and forth with you and email about them. Um, but I'd love to hear from you. And, um, very quickly, I will read over the 10 so that you can, um, you know, reference them. They will also be listed in the show notes. Number one, pray often. Number two, read the word. Number three, love yourself first. Number four, express gratitude daily. Number five, be deliberate. Number six, don't deflect compliments. Accept them gracious, graciously. Number seven, don't miss the forest for the trees. Number eight, Put time and space between your emotions and your reactions. Number nine, slow down when you speak. And number 10, your steps are ordered for your path. And those are my 10 life principles that I developed based on the example set forth in Gretchen Rubin's The Happiness Project. And before we go, I'm going to read a review that we received, that I received, uh, from Brazenly Viral, as my friend Tunde says, finally getting around to it. It was a five-star review, and it says, I love this podcast. It's smart, informative, and helpful. I love the advice given on each episode, as well as Tiffany's take on topics. Give it a listen. Thank you very much for your listens and your review. And if you have not left me a rating and review in the iTunes uh, store of the podcast app, please feel free to do so. I greatly appreciate it. And... Um, 
I think that about wraps it up. So if you have any topic suggestions, if you'd like to send me the life principles that you write for yourself, please email me, Tiffany at HowDoesSheDoItPodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you in advance for your rating and review and for sharing this episode with your friends, homies, and um, your family. And until next time, be blessed and be a blessing. Peace.